NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The great cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing crickets at the grade level. Boys! Get a few today, did you? To be honest with you, I um, hate grade cricket. <laughs> uh, I went into to play for a team called um, oh, the Lemus Kid. Obviously, sharing is always a big issue, a big issue for, for young kids coming into a senior cricket team. It's taken like a whip lead. Um, a bit of advice for the players, sort of one. I refer to the great cricketer here and I'll say, this will do a little bit early. <laughs> Test match cricket is alive and well all around the globe. Joe Root, 180, not out in a losing team. The satisfaction must be immense. India commence, they recommence the Asian century after New Zealand ripped it away from them for a short amount of time. West Indies, Pakistan, West Indies win an absolute thriller by one wicket. Lots going on in Australian cricket, none of which involves playing. Simon Duell is on the show to give us a little bit of a preview about what's going on in New Zealand cricket from the, uh, I'm going to say the business class lounge in Heathrow. Is that where he was? Yeah. Let's sure. say he was. Let's yeah. say he was. Let's dream big. Hashtag RCDC. The first one comes in and the title of it is Stunted Emotional Growth. Says it all, I do say. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's been helping me. I do say. I do say. I dare say. Uh, This episode, as they all are, brought to you by Budgie Smuggler. You can use the code CHAMP for free custom design at budgiesmuggler.com. As is your want, as is your need. My name is Ian Higgins. Sam Perry sits across from me and I, him. Pezzy lad, good afternoon to you, sir. Yes, and to you. Yes. Uh, Yes. Now, we woke up this morning to news of a... Famous, dramatic, chaotic victory to India uh, over England at Lords. Guess what? Not even the best game of the round. Not even the best game of the round <laughs> of, of Test the cricket. Round, fuck. That's some footy but, lexicon. But Test, you, you can't beat Test cricket. He goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these cool urban kids following the hundred, mm-hmm. and the idea is that you know that's the gateway to Test cricket. It's a gateway. They're already discarding their NFTs. Yeah. You know of Bilbo. Yeah. And the Oval Invincibles. Mm. Uh, immediately for posters of Pajara, you know, <laughs> and Jaden Seals. Yeah, yeah, that's right. In West Indies. Yeah. Test cricket, you say alive and well, always has been. Yeah. Now, the biggest cheer of the match was when Pajara got off the mark after 35 balls. So can the 100, if, if the 100 are Nangs, can they get us into the heroin of Pajara getting 35 rocks to get off the mark? Is that what's working here? Is that working? Is that's that a drug no doubt that, that works? No, no doubt that's precisely the question being posed in the uh, daily marketing Meetings and various kickoffs. Okay. from kickoffs and kick-ons. Um, all right, Pez, England and India, the second test. They're at Lords. I will say, 
that, of course, if you want it, you can find daily wrap-ups that we're doing on YouTube or the audio lives exclusively at patreon.com forward slash Cricketer. if that's how you want to consume it. But you can find daily videos, recaps, reviews of the day's play throughout the entire England-India series. The day five results, the result that shocked the world. Or did it? I don't know. It felt very England. Just like They just found a way to lose that game by 151 runs. What the fuck? How did that happen? Out is of it, nowhere, is, that is, felt for me. We haven't talked about this. Because like, like, we've already recorded our daily this morning. Yeah. We've poured over all the articles and the various takes. But we're like, mm. because it can only be one, was this more England losing or more India winning? I mean, it's such a yeah. stupid little um, <laughs> yeah. like polemic. Yeah, tidbit. Yeah. Did England you say polemic? I say tidbit. Exactly. Is it, did, did England lose that? Did England snatch defeat from the jaws of victory? It felt or did India go and rest their I kinda, win? I kind of want to get into this in a moment because oh. it, it's it's about like getting wrapped up in India's like whirlpool, the riptide of India. So uh, if that's a sort of fence-sitting answer, good. So for those who don't know what happened, England won a toss. They thought, we're going to have a bowl. And that didn't work out. India... 364 runs. Uh, K.L. Rahul got 100. Uh, England then replied with 391. They're in front by 27. Mm. Joe Root, 180. Not out. Red ink. Yeah. And that was that was a glorious innings. I mean, every inning seems to create a new conversation about, was this his best one? Yeah. And it just underscores the form that he's in. He, he, he is sort of, he's unstoppable. Apart he from scored. the fourth innings. <laughs> well, they stopped him. Um that's his fifth hundred this year in 2021. Yeah. Anyway. He's in, he's in golden summer so territory. A halfway point in the match, Anderson's got his 31st five-wicket haul. He's seventh at Lords. Joe yeah. wrote 180. He's fourth at Lords. He yawned after the five. He yawned. How easy is this? We're going crazy. Another five Seventh time at Lords. Okay. India then get 298 for eight declared. There's so much wrapped up in this inning, in the third innings of the game. This is when everything changes, not just for cricket, but for the world. Of course. Economically, socially. That's right. And then England rolled for 120 uh, in a space of 52 overs. Uh, they had eight overs left in, in the day. Um, Kale Rahul, man of the match. Bit harsh on Joe Root, though he, he has come out afterwards, Joe Root, and said that it was my fault that we lost that. We lost our way in the third innings. But the guy scored 210 runs in the game. No one else has done shit. He's actually scored, now I'm looking at this, he scored more than half the runs for England in the match, Joe Root. Uh, but yeah, it is his fault um, that no one can bat for England. I think uh, I think Boomer is unlucky to miss out there as well. Mm. Was it Fifer and Threefer? Oh no, yeah. not, no, he went wickless. And he went wickless, but he's but he's batting as well. And then just mm. the, the the flash points of the game that he was involved in and helping to change the match as well. Yeah, well, that's anyway. that's kind of the nature of this game. Um, can I just say, like, did, do you feel like everyone knows what's happened in the game? Uh, this is a largely Australian UK audience, so I think the yeah. UK side will know. And Aussies, uh, well, again, the D's are playing well. <laughs> so, so India in the third innings were in a bit of trouble. Where they coming into the last day, they were, um, they were what were they, one hundred and fifty four in front, something like that. And yeah, then six down. Rishabh Pant was batting with Ishant Sharma. That's right. Rishabh Pant gets out early in the day. At that point, I think they were one hundred and sixty seven in front. Yeah. And you're thinking, hmm, this is on here for England. They have four number elevens, or so people say. Ishant right. Sharma. Shami, Bumrah, and Siraj. Siraj. That, that's their tale. Genuine number 11s, all mm. of them. Um, Shami, Leading into that, there'd been some back and forth, to and fro with Bumrah and Anderson in the previous innings right. as well. So at the end of day three, Anderson's batting, fading light, etc. And Bumrah's just bumping him. 
And Anderson did not take kindly to that. They're walking off the field. He's blowing up. He's livid. He obviously gets in the sheds and he goes, I'm not happy about this. So it starts there. And now there's like and this. And when Anderson's bowling, mm. Coley's going to him, this isn't your fucking backyard. This isn't your like backyard. That. Yeah. Now, this is the first time in a while that I've ever seen any sort of um, like real bullshit go on outside of Australian games. That was There was some real like, um, it was some real uh, irreverence. It was irrelevance. It was, it was um, shit talk. Mm. Genuine shit talk. Um, and it just, it really worked for India. Fired them up. Mm. So they come into, so day five, then Shami and Bumrah put on 89. They put on 89 for the, whatever, the ninth wicket, um, and then they get a lead of 270, and then they give in, they give England 60 overs to bat, and England last an honourable 52. It all changes with that 89-run partnership. So yeah. as you say, in India are about 180 ahead. There's, they've got two wickets in hand. You'd expect England to wrap up that tail. Yeah. Uh, and instead, and you've been pointing this out a lot, as we've had seven or eight different cups of tea uh, <laughs> off air, yeah. that instead of focusing on the specific job at hand of knocking those guys over, mm. England instead adopted an approach of let's – both knock them over and bump them yeah. and save some runs at the same time, yeah. which resulted in a strategy or an approach of short pitch bowling to in-out fields, allowing batsmen to take singles, mm-hmm. hit the hot boundary, get themselves set. And as we've seen so many times, the horses bolts by then. See and you then you're, just in, you're in the orbit. And it was very interesting that, that they adopted that approach for so long. And, I, and, and you've been making this point that they seemed really hell-bent on squaring up Mm. For that stuff that happened a few days before, mm. then just as Michael Holding was saying, whispering death himself, mm. just find that fucking outside edge. Yeah, no, he didn't say it in those terms. No, he didn't. But he may as well have been. No, I, I, I deduced that from his uh, from his intonation. He his was tone. he was insipid in his tone. He mm. was he was an angry man. Mm. Um, so you, you've got to look at England's bowling. You think, okay, I got Ollie Robinson bowls a decent click. Mark Wood obviously quick. I can sort of lean towards that approach of getting the tail out if you want to bump them. Australia have, uh, I suppose, a, a faster-paced attack uh, on harder wickets where that can be it can be used to your benefit in that way. Now, when Anderson comes on and he's bumping Boomerah, he's got two men out in the hook, he's got a deep point and a fly slip. I'm thinking Anderson has lost control here. Now, Joe Root, after the game, has said that this is my fault. We didn't get that tactically right. I'm not having that. James Anderson has got 630 test match wickets and he's been sucked into a battle with Boomerah and then he's he's completely lost his way. James Anderson is a is a fucking one of the most skilled bowlers we've ever seen mm. in the game, the history of the game. And then he's going, I don't want to get them out or if I'm going to get them, I'm going to bump them. He's he not com- a bump merchant. He completely lost his way and, he, and, and the momentum that was shifted from England being in a very strong position to chasing 165, 175... Um, Happened in the space of about an hour, where Anderson has to cop for that. Anderson has to has to then uh, realize that the, the the momentum shift in the crowd, the co- fucking Coley on the balcony there, um, getting fired up, and then England were absolutely no chance by the time lunch comes around, and then India end up declaring. Incredible scenes. Do you know like it, it's probably a little bit um, over the top to like make comparisons with the Gabba, right? But like. Mm. The broader story with what happened at the Gabba commenced at the SCG when Payne yeah. started lipping um, Ashwin. Yeah. And, like, perhaps this is just me, but I, I feel like Aussie or Anglo teams for a long time have felt like if you want to just intimidate these blokes, you can. Mm. You know, you, you, you bowl faster than them generally. 
Indians tend to be more polite mm. uh, than than Aussies, for mm. example. Mm. Um, so if you want to intimidate them, bump them, verbalise them, yeah. you can do that and have some success. This is a different team now. Mm. You know, Payne did it to Ravi Ashwin, mm. and look what happened. Once that was said, mm. uh, they sort of became a different unit, India. And then this time around... England, you know, are trying to do some shit like we're defending our Lord's turf or whatever. I mean, they haven't said that. But you can tell that would have been the undertones of it. Oh, they fucking he's he's we can't we can't let them do that to Jimmy. Jimmy's got to do something hey, back to him. How weak it was, yeah. 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 And they have been completely distracted by it. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to say, like you know, that like nothing reverses momentum. Because England were in front at this point. Two weeks Absolutely. to get 180. Absolutely. You're like, England England probably shading this. Yeah. Joe Root's in form. They can probably get those runs, but nothing ro- like reverses momentum more ca- chaotically and dramatically than like lower order runs. Yeah, and not just cricket, anywhere in life. That's right. You know, like if yeah. you can somehow harness that energy for like vaccination take up in Australia, <laughs> like we'd be free in no time. Like, yeah. how many times have you played in a game? Like a one day, for example, mm-hmm. you bowl first, you've dominated and arm wrestled your way into domination for like ninety five percent of the innings. Yeah, you're in front. You're looking at a total that you should be able to get. Mm-hmm. Two numpties come out. Mm-hmm. Come on, numpties. <laughs> at the end of the innings for them. This fucking numpty. And <laughs> let's just say it's like uh, two boundaries in the last over. Yeah. Or two of the la- you know the last two balls. Or maybe yeah. there's a six there or something. Yeah. And like, you know, the guttural roar of, of their teammates yeah. as a ball hilariously goes for four yeah. for a big swing. Yeah. So the roar and the, and the laughing, mm. um, whether it's edged or otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, like guffaws of laughing, yes. and, uh, laughing and cheering, like, you know, it enhances the mood and the confidence of that opposition team mm. out of nowhere. It's just in like opposition to what's come before. Yeah. Your heads have dropped. You've lost, you've lost some intangible momentum that doesn't actually appear on the scorecard. You look at the scorecard separate to it. You'd be like, okay, yeah, they, they hit 200, yeah. whatever, yeah. Yeah. but they shouldn't have yeah. done that. Yeah. And so you've lost something. And then yeah. all of a sudden, those two guys are invariably the opening bowls. That's now <laughs> fucking DK, Lily, and Kirtley <laughs> from either end. Yeah, in fours. You, and, and in fours, exactly. Yeah. And, like, um, the defeat is unfolding in front of your eyes. Mm. You know it. They know it. Mm. You're coming in. You know you're going to get out. Like, you're, mm. you're completely powerless because yes. of this a couple of edged boundaries. Yeah. There's something about the vibration of the laugh, like a yeah. hyena, yeah. that, 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 yeah. that uh, reveals that, like, you must be so bad as, yes. a, as a bowling outfit that these guys have hit runs against you. You've you got all under- of us out. Yeah. We're in the pavilion. <laughs> we've been yeah. dealing with yeah. like we, we've been dealing with uh, inferiority for the last mm. couple of hours. Yeah. Says one day, yeah. And all of a sudden, it mm. just like cathartically dissipates yeah. with a couple of boundaries. Yes. That, that's what this was, but mm. like times ten. And there's also something like a numerical focus yeah. where like if we've we've got them seven for one thirty, one thirty yes. for seven. I'm thinking now, I'm thinking about lunch. Yep. What kind of subway I'm getting, first of all. And then I'm thinking about, okay, we're looking at 145, 150, clown of the tail, mm. home by tea. And then the numbers start creeping up. And now it's like, oh, now they've got 175. Yes. Now that is only 25 runs more than 150. Because you've had your break. I've and you're like, we're like, we're like, it's two weeks to get. Mm. Uh, let's say they're on like 180 or something. Let's, so, say all right, let's roll these guys for 200. Like yes. you have to round it up yes. to the nearest, nearest even number. Yeah, that's right. It might not bear any like relation to logic or yes. anything. The floor no. wicket might be good or whatever, mm. but it's like, no, it's 200. So you set that target in your mind. Mm. You put guys back because mm. you don't want the boundaries to get them yes. there. And all of a sudden they're in and then there's boundaries after mm. that. Mm. And it's like a cascading waterfall. Mm. Everything that you'd built in your family and your life until that point <laughs> is now crumbling. swept away. It's a fucking tsunami of like edged... 
boundaries and fucking yeah. guttural roars and guffaws of laughter yeah. Yeah. from people that you'd previously dominated. Mm. Everything is lost. Yeah. How does and like how does that? It's a funny phenomenon in cricket. That, that's what happened. And it's just a different number. It's, yeah. only, it's only ever like slightly more. Now in this test match, it was a lot more than what was. Oh, old bloke walks in from fucking top ride shops or something. <laughs> looks at the scorebook. What are that two hundred? That's all right. You should yeah, be able to get that. Get no, those. we can't. No, we gonna, can't. It was going to no. be one sixty, and now it's two hundred. <laughs> I can't do that now. Eleven guys. What do you got there in your hand? Rubik's yeah. cube. Yeah, you go into, <laughs> you go into the sheds after conceding that amount. Everyone's quiet. They're fucking laughing yeah. and yahooing. Pats like, on the mate, back. You know, trying to strap yeah. some pads on. You're sweating. Yeah. Oh, you just hear like, they left the dressing room door open. You walk past yeah. it. Wait, yeah. Is that your high score? Yeah, yeah. high yeah. score was seven before yeah. this. Yeah, that's right. We're at 63 today. Yeah. What about that one through cover? Yeah. And then, the, yeah. and then <laughs> first first over, second over. Oh, it's like the, the energy it's has, a been, guarantee. has been taken out It's there. a lock. Yeah. yeah. It's a lock that you and are nicking off. All of a sudden there's four slips. You're seeing double, yeah. so it feels like eight. Yeah. So it's an LBW, it's out, and everyone's running at the batsman yeah. as that happens as yeah. well. Like they're about to knock him out, fucking yeah. take the stumps. Oh, and the first ball would just be like either a play miss or just a push to cover, but you can guarantee it's all going to be, oh, yes, exactly. boys, exactly. yes, yeah, boys. We're on here. We're on here, boy. and nothing would have even happened. Now, that literally did happen in this game where Rory Burns mm. faced the first ball, popped a little bit, just defended to the offside. Like the entire slip cord behind the bat, it felt like half of India was like just conversing, conversing mm. and converging and, on. Yeah, they were conversing. They were too. conversing as well. There's mm. heaps of chat out there um, on Rory Burns. And just the whole like wave of emotion had just shifted mm. because Shami just like nicked a couple over fly slip, basically. And it's just like, what's that? What What is this game? It, like a, a, a batsman in that scenario may hit a boundary. Mm. And the whole crowd and the pavilion and everyone would just be silent. Someone's just waiting to get the ball and just to start again. Yeah. Because the wave can't be stopped. Can't be stopped. And that's it's what too I, late. it's felt like that's what happened in this game. Mm. I mean, it, like it, it took a little while to knock him over. I suppose at the end of it was only 52 overs. But like the last scene of it, he goes, was was Jimmy Anderson. And like, mm. I, I think you've rightly called out that like, that was, he, he took the gas. He took yeah. the gas. He's the experienced um, player. Like yeah. he should, he should have known. I'm just going to get these guys. I'm going to hit mm. the pads. Can't you just swing it both ways and fucking get them out? Anyway. I mean, if you can get fucking Coley out, I'm pretty sure I can get Mo Siraj out. Didn't, didn't even get a hit in this innings. I still felt for Jimmy Anderson, like, fading light. It's like 6.05 in London. Mm. Mohamed Siraj has steam coming out of his ears and oh, his nose as he's yeah. running into bowl. Mate, this bloke is 39. <laughs> and he's probably, like, he's 39 yeah. years old. Yeah. The Indians are riding the crest of a fucking mm. economic and social wave. Yeah. To like to knock over lords. Yeah. Jimmy's standing between him just with his fucking little arm guard on. He's probably thinking, What the fuck yeah. am I doing here? Please bolt the stumps. Please. <laughs> like and he, and he's trying he's hopping and stop he's like and I could see the anguish mm. on that Lancastrian face. Yes. And he's yes. just thinking, Man, I've got five from the first dig. Like any danger of someone other than me and Joe uh, bailing us out. Yeah. Well, ironically, those two Ended up fucking it because I think I think I think Anderson has to take responsibility as the senior bowler on that team. Joe wrote obviously as captain has responsibility on his shoulders as well. I got to say I would find it very funny if I had player cam on like Burns, Sibley, Hamid when like um when Woods coming in like bumping Boomer and stuff mm. and and they're all like giving it fucking chest. Yeah. Josh Butler for some reason is chirping in. Yeah. It, it, there's not it's something nah, in the eyes. Butler's he's like he stop. does not want to do it. He doesn't want to mm. do it. So mm. with Flander last mm. year or whenever that was, but um. But I can imagine, like, if I had play cam on, like, the top England's top three and being like, oh, yeah, I'm probably not going to get involved in this one, eh, guys? Uh, like, yeah. I'm playing for my spot in about 15 minutes. Can you not? <laughs> Do you reckon India now, like, without doubt, 
now enter that like arena of um, that's bestowed only upon the best players and best teams, which is like mm. don't talk to them, you know. Which is yeah. ex- which explains how New Zealand beat them, mate. I was, like, New mate, Zealand I was, just I took the nice guy approach. They mate, just played good cricket. I was literally going to say. Now I say we say this like kind of mockingly in England because they've been sucked into it. I know for a fact that Australia have been sucked into it and have done for about thirty years. So we yeah. say this as, as a position of Australia um, for a long time have thought that like they've been bullying sides and in yeah. fact it doesn't work for them at all. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It turns out if you have the best players, it yeah, works. if you have good players, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the only team like I'm just thinking that situation. Boomer had like got up, fucking I was gonna say Chris Martin for a second. They're not playing in 2003 anymore. Um, <laughs> Many you know, ways we are though. You know Wagner or whatever. Like it just it just wouldn't have carried on. It just mm. they just would have played the game. Just get these guys out. Get to the next thing. Get to the next clear the next mm. hurdle. Get get to the crease. Start chasing these runs. Mm. And New Zealand's the only team who's beaten these guys. They've done it twice now in the last couple of years. And you can see because they focus on the actual cricket mm. playing bit. And you get sucked into all the other bullshit about. You know, fucking, oh, we're not going to play in this game and uh, we're going to sledge. Oh, you're just going to sledge our bowls now. It's just get sucked into the vortex of, like, mm. what Indian want. And you have to say now that, and you really do have to say you this must as well, say mate. It. Yeah, please. Is that this Indian team now really has the identity of the captain and the coach as well. You yeah. can tell there's a fucking steeliness to it yeah. and an aggression to it. We're like, nah, we're not putting up with this anymore. And they've got the team. Yeah. They, and they've had, okay, they lost the World Test Championship final to the better team. New Zealand played the better cricket in that game. No doubt about that. But... India now are riding this wave of like this sensational historic wins away from home mm. and their front runners to win the World Cup as well. There's there's like a wave coming with Indian cricket with this team and and added as well with like this new guy Siraj who's come in from the Australian tour and now doing really well here. Uh, this fucking this is this is this is the time for Indian cricket. Mm, it was the manner of the win, and it mm. was like, like the manner of the win had all the hallmarks of a great team. You know, mm. you're managing to win when the going got tough. They got behind, and they were the ones who came out in front. Mm. You know, and managed to put enough pressure on the other team so that they crumbled. You mm. know, so uh, yeah, they're the second best team in the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, mate. And Bangladesh haven't played a test in a while, so we've got to keep an eye on them. Point. Um, okay. Uh, do you want to talk about West Indies, Pakistan? Love to. So West Indies and Pakistan are involved in a test match series. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they, and West Indies won the first test by one wicket. So West Indies won the toss. They also decided to have a bowl. Pakistan 217. West Indies got a lead there of 36 in the first innings. They got bowled out for 253. Craig Brathwaite, who's obviously the captain now, he got run out for 97, ran himself out. Jason Holder, the former captain, 58 as well. Pakistan then... Um, Got 203 in the third innings, setting West Indies uh, 168 to win. In that third innings, 19-year-old Jaden Seals is playing his third test match, I think it is. Um, Five for 55, first five for him. Incredible. Uh, So West Indies then chase at nine down. Kemar Roach batting at nine. Jaden Seals at 11, put on 17 for the last wicket. Got the job done. Fucking scenes. I miss test cricket so badly, and I wish my team that I support played. Mate, Shannon Gabriel's breathing a huge sigh of relief somewhere. You know, <laughs> he's got form as well, he's, he's, especially against Pakistan. Oh, that's he's, right. He's the one who played the massive slog when he was like trying to block out for the draw. He's when was that? It was like five years ago. Two thousand seventeen. Seventeen, right? Um, yeah. So this was on what the third one wicket victory from in West Indian history or something. Okay, and, wow. Uh, and yeah, and uh, it w- they they have heaps of close games these two. And yeah, I think Shannon yeah. and Gabriel somewhere along the line is like, all right, well at least there's something that went in our favour because uh, why did he? D- I mean, nothing will, nothing will beat why did he do that? <laughs> <laughs> that is one and of the, some- that's that's the greatest cricket call of all time. Exactly, yeah, it probably is. Why but- did he do that? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> 
I mean, it's the it's the hanging of the why. The oh. Why? <laughs> It's the shot though is so good. It's such a good shot. It, that shot is every one of us. It's every one of us. Oh. Yeah. I got men around the bat, do you? Yeah. See you later. Which I, I fucking bomb this bloke. Yeah. Yeah. I see a shot. Just rock and rolls him. Fucking vaccination approach as well. Let's <laughs> have a swing Let's at it. Fucking block it out. Oh uh, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, it's quite funny. Western is Pakistan. I suppose they. Are, I. I wouldn't have paid much, much attention to this as a matchup. I suppose because you know why would I? But um, uh, they're quite mercurial teams. Both these, both yeah. these teams, especially this day and age. Obviously, West Indies got the history. I suppose Pakistan have got a, a good history as well. But in recent years, they're quite mercurial teams. Of anything can happen on any day. I mean, West Indies beat England at home in one Test match last year. They got themselves up one nil. I think is that right? Yeah, they did. They did. I just liked, uh, mate. Sorry, I was just looking this up. Kemar Roach. I can't get the exact, um, the exact quote, but he's yeah. like, he said something to the effect of like, I'm. Um, I'm not used to batting with the tail because I am the tail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he said he said something like, um, I've never been in this position before yeah, or something like that. But yeah, yeah I love that. Uh, hey, Kemar Roach feels like he's been around for a long time. It does, yeah. Remember when um I, I remember when he came to Australia and when he was bowling to Ponting, that was like the end that was the beginning of the end for Ponting when like Ponting tried to pull him and hit him on the arm. Might have been actually in Perth, so right. quick wicket, but Kemar Roach used to be fucking rapid. He's yeah. not as quick anymore, but um yeah. Isn't it funny, like, when you look at the West Indies, it's not funny at all, actually, but when you look at their white ball side, their T20 side, it's actually, it's packed with superstars yeah. that you sort of recognise and they're mm. at the top of the game and the test side uh, seems to be more of a smattering, you know, of yeah. guys that you sort of haven't haven't heard of. It's like, oh, I'll put the T20 guys in there. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. It could be an incredible team, couldn't it? But it's not because there's no money in it. Mm. Um, yeah. Joshua De Silva, my favourite Portuguese cricketer. Actually behind Moses. Um, playing for the West Indies. All right. Uh, Pez, uh, the... Uh, should we do a bit of a bit of Ashes slash Australia chat? Yeah, well, like it, it's, it's been it's been rumbling on, hasn't it? Yeah. So last week we said no one's talking about it, then then all of a sudden everyone's talking about it. Um. So the thing the thing that blew up last week was, um, coach Justin Langer and team manager Gav Dovey blew up at CA staffer for posting the Bangladesh team song in the hotel in front of people. That kind of like that was a big thing in the news story. That was a big thing in the news cycle last week. Dan Cherney reported it. Dan Cherney reported it. Then there was sort of counter claims that there was. Leaks and mm. was it the CA journalist who did that? And Cherney mm. said no, it definitely wasn't. Mm. So you know, was it from someone in the yeah in the team? And it sort of ended up becoming a, a potentially like a a symbol for the disaffection that's going on the other side again yeah. after reviews. So we kind of like after last week's show, we we're just like, well, I don't really want to talk about it anymore because like what's done is done, and like that team doesn't play until the World Cup now because there was going to be a series before the World Cup. A little warm-up series mm. against the Western Indies and Bangladesh? No, Afghanistan. 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 That's off now. So the te- next time the team plays will be the World Cup. Yeah. So it's like, well, not really much, not really much point talking about it. And then it's kind of kicked off again, hasn't it? So well, more and mate, like more because when it comes to like our conjecture over this stuff, first thing is like we're not reporters. No, uh, you know, and we don't go chasing things like that. I think people would be aware of the style and tone right. of the show. Yeah, uh, and we sort of we felt like any discussion we have about like the Aussie men's cricket team and the viability of people within it is as a result of the of the results and the performances. Mm. So we're like, we don't really want to talk about it this week because they haven't played. You know, mm. we'll react to performances. Don't really want to get wound up in a lot of conversations about. Langer's methods, for right. example, because we're not there. 
Like mm. we, we don't see it. And mm. you know that if you start talking about his methods and what he's like, people will say, and probably rightly so, well, you don't know what it's like to play elite sport. You're, mm. not, you're not there. You're not at the coalface. Bit harsh. Yeah. Well, yeah yourself. <laughs> Gordon did have an academy. <laughs> that's right. They? That's but right. That looked really good. They had a good yeah. brochure and everything uh, in 2002. <laughs> oh, you saw it. And so, like, people are getting pulled into – and so, and so Langer's got his defenders. Like Adam Gilchrist is a defender of his and, and a good right. friend. And you completely right. understand that. And, right. and when Adam Gilchrist course, speaks, yeah. you listen. Hall of Famer, Fuck yeah. wonderful reputation, mm. um, a very good thinker on the game of cricket yeah. and somebody who has like a brain, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and people are getting pulled into a conversation about Langer's methods now. And like, like I said, you're never going to be able to speak with any credibility about it because you weren't there. But um, you just I, – I think you can step back from all these things and, yeah. again, just – Look at results. There's no media vendetta going yeah. on. All of this spawns from results. Leaks, which is now seeming to be the focus. The story. Um, yeah. Leaks are a symptom of the cause. Leaks always happen. And it's only a leak when you don't like what's being said. It's yeah, just an exchange yeah, yeah. of information. Yeah. Um, but his defenders seem to be trying to like create a new enemy now, which is the media, that it's a media vendetta but like i think if, if anyone wants to defend langer and people are entitled to mm. storied player in australian cricket has had some success as a coach before mm-hmm. but let's just hear like let's just hear the cricket case yeah. for it forget all the other bullshit around it who's available who is and all that sort of stuff like what's the cricket case and he needs to make the case because they've lost a lot of cricket lately they've just lost they've lost cricket mm. and so the media are going to scrutinize that it's a very normal process mm. i don't think any other conspiracies are going on mm. um but when it comes to leaks, what is interesting is like there's been a great opportunity for players to come out and actually great put it to bed. Yeah, yeah, pretty. <laughs> like you know, it's yeah. a little bit of like, well, maybe where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm. Yeah, haven't heard much from the players. Heard, like jumping, the players could have just come out and just go like, no, yeah. we're with JL. Oh, good. We've got to be better. Yeah, mm, mm. not really, not really. Crickets, ironically, um, the best people seem to be able to do is to like cast Langer as a like as a victim in this um, being on. Un- being treated unfairly by stakeholders. But, you know, to be fair to him, I think, like, Langer would agree with this. He's on, you know, on good money to take Australia to the top and stay at the top. Yeah. And as a bearer of high standards, which he is, I would have thought him and his team would welcome scrutiny when the Australian team isn't doing that. It's a sign of people who want the Australian cricket team to be good. And if it isn't good, you can expect scrutiny. Mm. It's just very funny reflexes coming out of a lot of this around blaming media or availability or lots of other things. I mean... It should be a very expected thing that if they lose 4-1 to two sides that are ranked very low, one of them's not even in the World Cup, people mm. are going to ask questions about it, mm. especially when the players aren't saying shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, mate. Well, we spoke to Simon Dool, uh in Heathrow uh, very briefly. Very, very briefly. So we organised that in a very short turnaround. He was very kind to offer his time before he jumped on a flight to the West Indies. Yeah, Is that Caribbean. where he's going? He's going yep. to the Caribbean. It's going to the Caribbean. Um, so uh, now the audio in this is a little bit, uh, a little bit rough because he's on his iPad and he's, there are people around and kids crying uh, for about five minutes in it. So, um, uh, but bear with it. Uh, it gives a good chat and he seems like a lot. Tell you what, I said to you afterwards, sounds like a great beer. He'd be a great schooner. Great schooner. Or pint, depending yeah. on where you are in the world. Yes. And also, if you do watch on YouTube, oh, he's in great nick he's too. He's in good nick. He's, really good. I was thinking about it a lot. He's 52. 52. He's in great nick. Yeah. Should have told him to his face. Just Should have told Positive him. masculinity. Yeah. Well, he offered us, so. Yeah, well. Yeah. Fuck it. That. Yeah. <laughs> you sort of you invite them to do it, then they do it, then you're like, okay. All right, here he is, Simon Dool. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah. 
It's got a high-res 120Hz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. All right, this man joins us from Heathrow. What a professional he is. He's off to the Caribbean shortly, but he thought he'd fit in an interview with obviously an extremely important cricket production uh, that is known as the great cricketer. He's represented his country (laughs) 74 times. 32 times in tests, 100 wickets there, give or take a couple, uh, at a tick under 30, six fifers, 250 first-class wickets all up with a ton to his name there as well. Uh, like his compatriot, Andre Adams, who we spoke to last week, he tasted success against the Indians with a career best of seven for 65 that I'll be asking him about. Uh, he pouched Navjot Sidhu, Jadeja, Dravid, Ganguly and Tendilkar in the process. Uh, and he's now a velvety-voiced commentator on TVs across the world. And the rig is looking good too, might I say, even though we've only just met. Uh, Simon Dool, welcome to The Great Cricketer. Cheers, boys. Thank you very much for having me. It's nice to uh, nice to join you. It's a hell of an intro. Goodness me. Um, sometimes uh, you say, I don't know, can't remember what you said about my voice, but sometimes in the morning it's a bit gravelly, so I need to uh, need to just lube up with a, a little spicy Bloody Mary so just, to, just to get the day going. <laughs> I'm wondering about gravelly voices at the top level, Dooley, if I can call you Dooley, uh, that we've just Absolutely. met. Like, uh, I know a lot of really good commentators have secrets like they smoke or something like that. Now, I'm not asking if you smoke, but, <laughs> I mean, what's the, what's, what's the secret to gravelly voice at the top level? Um, goodness me. Uh, I don't, uh, don't smoke. I do have a vape um, mm. now and then, and I do love a shisha. I really got into the shisha when I was in, um, in the UAE. Most nights we'd come back from the IPL and um, I won't name names, but, you know, one or two others and myself would sit around a couple of quiet ales and a, and a nice shisha. Um, and I think that got me through the IPL. It was, it was pretty good. So much so that I felt like I needed to buy one for home. <laughs> Simon, um, it, it, like, everyone has to start somewhere in, in cricket. And like in Australia, all cricketers are basically failed footballers. Um, Aussie rules plays like is it fair to say that that the All Blacks was the dream for you and you just settled for Test and ODI cricket for New Zealand? Um, I'd like to say I settled, but I was never any good. Um, I was a skinny little um, dare I say it in these modern times, skinny little white boy who was no chance of competing at rugby whatsoever. Uh, played a lot of hockey, um, swimming, and hockey was sort of more the go for me at, at a younger age and um yeah if i looked at a rugby player i'd probably break in half so no no good for me i could i could admire from afar <laughs> i want to know i want to know simon um for, for for pez and i growing up in the 90s you were an iconic you know kiwi figure as much as you were just you know rocking the goatee as well and i want to know i want to know who had the better goatee was it you was it ponting was it jonah lomo Oh, goodness me. I'm going to rule punter out straight away. This was just a little bit, it was just a little bit wispy, wasn't it? It was sort of not really. And, and I just, I don't think it suited him. I don't think it suited him at all. So um, just because of Jonah's iconic status, I will give it to him over me and punters in third, which is 
very rare when we're talking to a list of anything to do with cricket. <laughs> Hunter would be at the top, but anything else, fashion, goatees, he's probably a bit further down. We're, we're often very like concerned with hierarchies in cricket, you know, at any level of the game, fourth grade all the way to test level. Can, can you take us into this, like the social hierarchies of New Zealand cricketers in the late 90s, early 2000s, as it would relate to a Jonah Lomu? Like, you know, if you saw uh, Jonah out in the circuit, you know, RIP, obviously, but if you saw him out in the circuit, mm. uh, would he... Would he you know, would he give the time of day to Kiwi cricketers? And has the balance, like, is the, is the balance coming back a little bit for cricketers when it comes to rugby players? Have you, in, have you increased your social capital compared to rugby players or does, uh, you know, uh, are you sort of persona non grata? I think these guys are probably right at the top. I think Kane Williamson's probably looked upon as important as Sam Kane or, or Kieran Reid um, in the public eye. Um, you know, the likes of Trent Bolt probably rival a, a, a a Richie McCaw type status um, nice. because of what New Zealand cricket has done in, in the last five, six years. And, you know, I mean, that, we, we always got on well with the guys. I mean, I've still, um, you know, still know a lot of the guys that sort of in my era, the Fitzpatricks and those sort of blokes who, if I come to, to London, can certainly play a game of golf with and, and catch up with and the Justin Marshalls, the Andrew Mertens, who's in Australia now, all those boys. I mean, they're all, um, you, you've all got that common bond, haven't you, of sport. Um, whether it be for your country, whether it be first class, professional in any way, you've got that common bond. And, and I think that's always been there. Uh, but the cricketers now, I mean, they, they endure status that um, probably only the All Blacks have had for a long, long time. Mm. I'll have to look up some of those names because obviously rugby is dead in Australia. But, um, <laughs> but, uh... you still play. <laughs> I think we, I think we, I think we had a team in the Olympics. I'm not really sure how they went though. Yeah, um, right. yeah. I, I, <laughs> I want to ask you though, Simon. Like, you know, after the '99 World Cup, we saw a ticket tape parade down George Street in Sydney. And, you know, 2005 Ashes, we saw a rooftop bus tour around Trafalgar Square. When India beat Australia recently at the Gabba, there was uh, there was elephants outside Indian airports for Natarajan. Um, I want to know what, and I think Kane Williamson and the rest of the Kiwi guys, they've just taken the the, the World Test Championship mace or the giant lollipop mm. on a seven-day tour around New Zealand. But, I mean, how was that How was that tour received? I haven't seen much press from it. No, I haven't seen a lot either. Obviously, I've been away um, in the UK for well, quite some time now and, and having to leave, leave this morning. But um, I, from what I saw online and, and the social media side of things, which New Zealand cricket do very, very well, mm. um, a lot of school visits, um, really popular uh, in and around the schools. I don't know whether they did the parades up and down the main streets of, of certain towns, but I mean, you know what our towns are like as well. I mean, 5,000 people and a couple of dogs. I mean, we're not, you know, they're not the they're not the, the biggest things in the world, some of our towns. So, you know, if a few hundred turn up, it's quite a good turnout. Um, so I, I think that, they, you know, the schools were probably really well received. Outside of that, um, I think they had some good turnouts and, and a few public uh, appearances. But it was it was just one of those things that I think, you know, if, if you said to me two or three years ago that New Zealand would be competing against India for the World Test Championship, I, I might have put you in a straitjacket and said, you're going to go off to the bin because it's just not, it wasn't possible. Um, but this side has come a long, long way. And as I say, that the way they play at home, um, the, what, the status that I think they've gathered around the world, I think they're looked upon as just, you know, just a really good team that plies their trade well, plays in the right sort of fashion. And that goes back to the Brendan McCullum era and the turnaround from Cape Town and then sort of Kane Williamson and, and Gary Stead and the boys have carried that on. Mm-hmm. Simon, like there's a big conversation in Australia about how we manage three formats, uh, you know, in England, 
like they've dominated white ball cricket, but they've been up and down in red ball cricket over a decent period of time. Um, and, you know, both countries are really worried about how to match it with India. You know, when we lost to India, it was, oh, well, they've got 1.6 billion people and it's about time they got themselves together and, and whatnot. New Zealand, meanwhile, are the World Test Championship uh, champions and um, basically won the World Cup. Uh, so what, what's their secret? Uh, I think consistency and selection has been a massive thing. We don't have a great player pool, and I think Australia are probably finding out now that, you know, six um, first-class sides is not a huge player pool to pick from. So you have to be very careful with your talent. Uh, and New Zealand's selection policy, I know, and at times agreed entirely with some of the things, but they've had consistency throughout. And, you know, when you play at a level, and, and if I go back to my era with Australia, there was 25 guys screaming to get into that Australian side that couldn't make it. Uh, guys that were averaging 45 to 50 in first-class cricket couldn't make it. Australia don't have that luxury anymore, and, and that's a, a really tough situation to be in. So you have to have that consistency because international cricket is tough, and it's a huge step up from domestic cricket. And what New Zealand have done really, really well is they have said, we think you're good enough to play at the international level, so we need to give you 10 test matches to find out whether, whether we're right or not and whether you're good, well, you are good enough. Because if we give you three, four, five, we don't know. You haven't, you've only just find, found your feet. So I think that's been one of the really good things with the level of consistency. Apologies about that baby crying. I didn't push it over. But, um, you know, it, it, it's those sort of things. Yeah, those sort of things that I think have been so good from, from a New Zealand cricket point of view. And, and perhaps Australia just need to, I don't know whether they... I think they've been pretty loyal, haven't they, throughout? They've had a great, um, you know, they had a very good nucleus of a side. They're just finding it at the moment to find one or two positions to fill. Why does it Why does it feel, Simon, that New Zealand are kind of sleepers heading into this T20 World Cup, despite them being so consistent? I mean, is that just my dumb Aussie brain still not rating New Zealand cricket? Um, please say yes. Uh, look, I don't think so. Um I don't think we're we're a great 2020 side. I think our mm. test match side and our one-day side is probably better equipped. We don't... When I look through that New Zealand side, I don't see a real brute power. Um, you know, Martin Guptill's quality at, at the top in the white ball game, we know that. We, we've got, you know, the likes of sort of Phillips and, and Taylor and Williamson and those guys in the amongst it. But I, I don't see that brute force power. I watch England. I watch this 100 competition. I watch England play white ball cricket. There's just big boy power across the park, all the way down to 7-8. Now, I don't think New Zealand have that. Now, this T20 World Cup, to me, will be won by the team with the best 5-6-7. Guys who can finish games off. Your 1-2-3 will, will have to dominate at times, but the teams that can get the boys can get yourself over the line from 5-6-7, 25 off 8 balls, you know, 30 off 10 balls, 15 off 4 balls that's the teams that will win you this tournament along with quality spin bowling. So, and don't forget, you know, everybody's talking about Asian conditions or subcontinent type conditions. I mean, Dubai, last year when we were there for the start of the IPL, those pitches went through, particularly Dubai, Abu Dhabi. Sharjah, not so much, turned and got a little bit slow as the tournament got on. But there was pace and bounce at Abu Dhabi and Dubai. So this is not going to be dominated by spin. It, it, it'll, it'll have an effect but it will not be dominated by spin. So when you're looking from an Australian point of view and what they've been through in their struggles against spin in Bangladesh, I wouldn't be too worried. They've got a quality bowling, quick bowling attack. They might, you know, they might just bounce back and surprise a few in, in, in the UAE. Hey, you, 
obviously extremely knowledgeable about T20 cricket because of how much of it that you cover and obviously being an international cricket yourself. I mean, you, you mentioned a couple of teams that will be in the mix because of the five, six, seven. I mean, who, who who are the teams you'll be looking at, I suppose, outside India and England? Yeah, well, they're the two key ones to me. Um, you know, they've got power and, and proper power in that, in that range. Now, depending on what uh, an Australia do or a Pakistan do, you know, you can't discount discount them and the West Indies. I mean, the West Indies have got power from one to eight if they put it together. I mean, they've got, got you know, whether it be a, a Lewis, Gale, Pollard, Shimron Hitmeyer, Evan Lewis, um, you know, Fabian Allen, they, these guys just keep coming and they keep hitting the ball out of the park and they will fire. They will fire at some stage and, and they will hurt a team. Can they put it together? Can they be consistent enough? Is there bowling? Um, consistent enough. I think that will be the, the test for the for the West Indies. Pakistan are just they're, they're almost like the well, they are. They're, they're the enigma, aren't they, of, of world mm. cricket? You just you don't know. You don't know what Pakistan are going to turn up on a daily basis. And when they do, with that bowling attack and, and Shaheen Shahfridi, I think along with Stark and Bolt, um, you know the the three best left armers in the game by um, you know by a stretch. They're, they're very very high quality bowlers, all three of them. And, um, you know, Shaheen and, and Stark probably just a touch quicker than Bolt, but they're all, all great operators. So, yeah, look, I mean, it's hard to sort of final four. I couldn't see here in England missing out of the final four. Um, and you can throw a blank over Australia, Pakistan, you know, New Zealand, West Indies for the other two spots, I think. Mm. Simon, I want to ask you about you, because I want to know if people know Simon Dool, the cricketer, or they know Simon Dool, the commentator. I mean, you played 32 tests for New Zealand, which in today's money is actually about 8,050. Like, do the, the, the people actually know <laughs> Simon Dool, the, the wonderful bowler that's, you know, rolled NASA Hussain and hit sixes off Warren? Uh, not so much, no. And, and I, I sort of don't mind that, you know. Like, um, I've, I've been very fortunate. Every, everything I did through that 90s time, and, and I, I keep telling people now, and it might sound a little bit flippant, but I get to travel the world, get paid to talk about an amazing game because of something I did 20 odd years ago, you know, and I kind of did it okay, you know, and, and that's, um, that's how I look at it. And um, it's, it, it owes me absolutely nothing. I had one contract with New Zealand cricket. Um, that was my last season. It was the only time we were professional, basically. It was my last season at New Zealand cricket, 99, 2000. And, um, you know, so the money wasn't in the game, but I don't, everything I have now and do now is a consequence of having played the game. So it owes me absolutely nothing. And I, I've led a very privileged life to do what I do. So I'm probably more known um, from the commentary side of things. People would know I played, but mm. I don't think they really know what I did, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I had no idea that New Zealand cricket, well, you only had one contract in your career. So what, what were you doing in the 90s in between? Um, just, it was just a game-by-game, tour-by-tour basis. So I've, I've, um, God, I've done many things. Um, Probably the building side of things. My dad was a builder, um, mm-hmm. and I got mates who've been builders. So I sort of came in and out of building um, on a regular basis. Um, when I'm uh, when I first came, I was just talking to the guys. I went up to my old club actually um, up in up in Yorkshire in the Bradford League, and uh, my first job when I came over to England was packing light bulbs in a factory for three pound twenty five an hour in nineteen ninety one. I was thinking back to those days. I mean, goodness <laughs> me, packing light bulbs for three quid twenty-five an hour. Jeez, mind you, beer was about forty-five p then, not five quid. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, 
So, you know, I wanted to ask you, um, when, when you knocked over uh, Dravid Ganguly and Tendulkar in succession, like which was the best send-off you gave? And then what did you tell the blokes <laughs> back on the build site? <laughs> um, it was hard to, it was hard to send Sachin off to be honest because it was a ranked half volley on league stuff that Matthew Bell took a blinder at square thing so that one, that one I couldn't really set him off um, Dravid was a pretty good one but I mean he's again he's just one of the nicest blokes in the world so you can't you can't give Rahul Dravid a send off um, so Dada I t- I did, I, yeah yeah probably Ganguly <laughs> yeah probably Ganguly to be honest one of the great send offs I, I, I did was um, against Hansi Cronje actually in um, in Cape Town and I came in and bounced him and I wasn't overly quick but I got one right and on the money and he sort of hit it and it's just looped to square leg and Matthew Hart standing at square leg and as the ball's just come off the bat it's looping out of square leg and I've just given it to Hansi given it to him told him where he was where he could go and who his mum was and all sorts of things and I turned around the ball's sitting on the ground by Matthew Hart and the umpire at square leg I'm just going uh, Hansi just disregard everything I just said thanks and I walked back to my mark and had the bowl again that was it <laughs> oh, it's just something about, uh, about I want to know about the want to know about the alpha hierarchies in in the commentary box. I mean, you surely you guys must talk about your playing days because I mean, Sam and I play a bit of twos and threes, and we talk about it nonstop. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I mean, is it is it uh, you know are you are you reminding NASA that you bowled him in in Wellington or Auckland or whatever that was? Or, you know, are you, are you reminding? I'm just I'm just quoting things I've seen from Roblinder too. Yeah. Um, look, every now and then things come up, but um, it's more of a it's more of a mistake nowadays. Yeah. Um, obviously, when you know when you're in the commentary box, and and I I look at the commentary side of things, and I walk in, and you know if I'm selecting a commentary team to work with around the world, NASA Sain's one of the first on the list that I, I, I pick. Absolutely love what he does. So to me, I walk into a commentary box, and if Ian Smith's there, I'm bowing to, to his sort of his knowledge and his his prowess because he's the guy I've always looked up to. Um, being a New Zealander and, and, and whether it be for cricket or commentary, he's always been my um, a mentor a little bit with good mates. And, um, you know, so that I look around the commentary box and think, okay, I mean, yeah, you might have had me on the field, but I've been doing this one a little bit longer than you or or you've been doing this a bit longer than me, so I'm going to respect that side of things. And, um, you know, we, we have a great time. Look, it's, it's, a, it's a really good... I mean, it'd be, a, it'd be a great Netflix show, I tell you, if you could just have an open commentary box, com- commentary box, the back of the box, it'd make for a hell of a Netflix show, but I'm not sure many of us would ever work again. <laughs> hey, speaking of the evolution of commentary, all the different gigs that you've got to do, Simon, and I realise you've got to go and literally get on a flight shortly. Uh, you've been doing that. You've been doing the 100. I mean, I saw the other day uh, Mark Butcher and Jemima Rodriguez playing guitar. Um, so yeah. Ebony Rain from Brent playing the drums, and you're tweeting about high tops. Like, has it been fun trying to make cricket look cool? You know, we're, we're between yeah. us. You know, we all know that. <laughs> There's nothing about cricket that's cool in any way, but has it been fun trying anyway? For an over 50-year-old, absolutely it's been fun. I mean, you know, I'm trying to rock the high top, so it's been great. Um, <laughs> I just think uh, I think what the 100 has done, it's been incredible for the women's game, first and foremost. I think it's been spectacular for the women's side of things. Um, the fact that a lot of the international stars and a lot of the Australians, none of the Australians could come. Um, we lost a lot of the New Zealanders, the West Indians um, out of the 100. I think that sort of just set the men's side back a little bit, although there was some very, very good cricket. The format, I absolutely love. The time frame, I think, has been brilliant. The players have really bought in. Um, so, you know, it is under three hours, which is what T20 was meant to be originally. 
Um, so, yeah, and, and we've seen new fans, young kids, young families, boys and girls come along. They've enjoyed it. The crowds have been magnificent. They're well in excess of 200,000 have been through the gates just for the women's games only, um, which tells you that it's been popular. Uh, and they take those numbers at the halfway stage of the innings, which is which is absolutely right. So, yeah, look, I love the format and, you know, trying to keep it young. What it does is it actually keeps us a little bit fresh as well. Um, you know, and, and I, I, I absolutely... Test cricket is still the ultimate for me. I, I, I so love doing the test matches against England for New Zealand, the, the World Test Championship final outside of the, the crap weather. Um, I, I really enjoy that and still pinnacle, but you just adapt and you have to adapt to different formats and different styles. And it just gives you a bit of an opportunity to get excited and do a few stupid things that you maybe could have done when you were 20 and you're trying to do when you're over 50. First commentary was good talk. Uh, <laughs> I can, I just, I just want to tack one just on the end, Simon, because we didn't, I don't think we talked about this enough, but New Zealand winning the world test championship and you were there commentating it. I mean, I suspect that protocols dictated you probably weren't allowed to circuit with the boys or anything like that. But I mean, you must have been absolutely cock a hoop at the result. Yeah. And did you get an opportunity to celebrate with them? Oh, I didn't get an opportunity to celebrate with them. Um, and that sort of, yeah, the protocols dictated that we, we couldn't. Um, but it was brilliant. I, I don't know whether it ever reached, um, I think it might have been on social media at some stage, but the boys were out in the middle of the ground at about midnight doing a harker. Uh, afterwards, oh, and, nice. and what you know about um, Southampton is the hotels are all the hotels on the ground, so we could see it from our hotel room balcony. They were out there at about midnight celebrating still. And um, look, it was just magnificent. Um, great for New Zealand cricket, great for the game, too. I think for everyone to see that you know the superpower of India could be toppled and um, and be toppled in a, in a really good way by uh, just a very, very good New Zealand side. And I think after what happened at the World Cup, you guys mentioned that briefly, and we won't go back there again. Um, came Williamson, I think uh, there was that that real feeling of Kane Williamson deserved that 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 World Test Championship, and, and he deserved to hold the mace aloft. And um, it, I mean, his, he was so humble after that World Cup, but he was hurting. He was hurting big time. Simon Dill, thanks so much uh, for background. Got in touch with Simon sort of less than 24 hours ago and he's made himself available at the airport. So consummate pro, mate. Really appreciate it. All the best over in the Caribbean and uh, everything beyond. Sam, and cheers, boys. You, um, yeah, good luck with everything and um, yeah, keep up keep up the good work in the in the grey cricket as well. What are you playing, thirds or fourths? What, what are you boys playing? <laughs> Just drop down a couple of grades in 10 minutes. Then, <laughs> was it second, seconds or thirds, was it? Sorry. Every grade. Uh, see you later. Every Simon. Grade. <laughs> Cheers, boys. Thanks very much, Ray. We forever and always thank Budgie Smuggler for their support of our show. Yes, we do. Um, we try as best as, I can to make, as best as we can to make it as earnest as we can because it's true. And entertaining. Great friends of ours, Australian company, Australian made, uh, doing extremely well. And uh, if you use the code CHAMP, you get free custom design, which yes, saves you, uh, what, maybe 50 quid, 50 quid, $100. Circa, circa $100. $100, that's a good deal. Uh, and we try and, uh, you know, if you are new to the show, because of the Asian Century 2.0, mm. uh, we try and give you some advice for how you might design your next pair of smugglers or apparel. Through Budgie. And this week, uh, the theme is Famous Leaks. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, 
So you got the so, so there's a lot of famous leaks through time, political, sporting, otherwise, email leaks. Yes, um, yes, yes. Or Little Wayne's uh, first EP um, <laughs> called The Leak. Yep. Um, you say you got the WikiLeaks war logs, obviously WikiLeaks. Yeah, of course, of course, of course, of course. Uh, that's where that's does, still going on. Where does uh, where does the fappening fit into this? I I don't know, mate, because I don't know what that is. But um, <laughs> you might have to tell me. Nah, it's just um, that was some shit. That was the one. Um, I think actually the guy who did it ended up in jail. So it was someone um who was like hacking to celebrities like iCloud's account and stuff, and it was like posting nudes on the internet of celebrities. Right. Do you remember that? Yeah. So about ten years ago. That's a bit different to the WikiLeaks. Um, a, a little bit. Is, uh, oh, a similar theme. Snowden and CIA and shit. But yeah. um, and Assange. Mm. 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 What do you come? What do you, you come down on that one? Um, Watergate's deep throat. He goes. You might yeah. want to get that on your budget, smugglers. Yes. Um, so, so aiding um, Woodward and Bernstein as they connected the dots between the break-in at the Watergate Hotel and the White House was an informant whose identity remained a secret for a good 33 years. Yeah, now, in 2005, yeah, codename was Deep Throat. Deep Throat. In 2005, decades after the journalist won Pulitzer's uh, and all the president's men won Oscars, former, former deputy director of the FBI, Mark Felt, revealed that he was the mysterious Deep Throat. Felty. Yeah, someone just found the WhatsApps. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. you got the Pentagon Papers, he goes. Yeah. Um, which revealed that the U.S. had secretly enlarged the scope of its actions in the Vietnam War, of course, uh, with yeah. coastal raids on North Vietnam and North uh, Marine Vietnam. Corps yep. attacks, yep. Uh, attacks, none of which were reported in the mainstream media. Uh, in 2011, yeah. June, uh, as you remember. It was June, wasn't it? It yeah. was June, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Or uh, the... Uh, Pentagon Papers. The Pentagon yeah. Papers. The documents yeah. forming the Pentagon Papers were declassified and publicly released. And that man was... R.M. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Ellsberg. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Sarah Palin's DJ email. Lewin, <laughs> MJ Bale. <laughs> Joe Bale was behind the Pentagon Papers. Fucking suits. Sarah Palin's emails. He goes. So, um, this is just mm. a bloke hacking into a private Yahoo Mail account. No way. Uh, and then posting it on 4chan. He called him. He called himself Rubico. And he went through her account and found oh, there's nothing really there, just some like government sort of stuff, whatever, like yeah. clerical stuff. Right. Um, then he got up. Uh, then he got nervous. He's like, "Oh shit, uh, the FBI might be onto me here." Um, so he, <laughs> so he said, "I was what fucked." I panicked. I still wanted the stuff out there, so I posted the information, then promptly deleted everything and unplugged my internet and just sat there in a comatose state. His name was David Kernhill. So what? So, so they found him. Uh, yeah, I don't think anything happened to him though. Because I don't think there was anything um, like uh, material in there. So he found he, he got some gear. Yeah, and then he's like just got into a Yahoo. Well, yeah. this is oh wait, so she's challenging for president. Of yeah, no, 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 no. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he's got the information. There's nothing really in it, or he hasn't probably read all of it. And then he decides, oh, I'll post it anyway on 4chan. Yeah. Well, he's trying to change the game. This is some, you know, uh, this, this was uprising shit. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, so you can uh, you can you can design famous leaks uh, at budgiesmonger.com. and Manscaped. He goes Manscaped. Yep, and uh, today the theme for Manscaped is Father's Day. Okay, and that's I have nice not theme. seen this copy yet, but that's oh, kind of that's good. kind of the thing. Yeah, it's a bit of a yeah, thrill. The, the support for today's episode comes from Manscaped. That's good. Father's Day is just around the corner. Mm-hmm. I don't know, is that Australia or the UK? Do you know? I should probably know. Uh, yeah, mate. There's only yeah. one dad here. Australian Father's Day. I just know if I'm going to get... 
Oh, yeah, it's coming up a couple of weeks. Oh, Friday, nice, huh? nice. It was really strange when, like, for the last couple of years, Father's Day is coming up, like, oh, I've got to get my dad something, and I forget that I'm dad. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, right. Yeah, anyway. Were you getting your dad, what, the, the lawnmower 3.0, 4.0? Great idea, actually. That's that's a really good idea. Here, Dad. Here's how you can shave your pubes, Dad. <laughs> Thanks, son. Uh, so yeah, do you have like some sort of dad support network? I, I'm I'm in a WhatsApp group of like like a sub group of my schoolmates. Yeah, uh, who are dads? Who are who are dads? You guys like wish you wish each other like Happy Father's Day that kind of gear. Look, to be honest. Some of the guys in the thread have taken a super earnest approach. No, you don't like that. Don't fucking tell me what I want in the Father's Day. (laughs) (laughs) Not my real dad. Um, Sorry, mate. I'm sorry. That that reflex is sharp. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Fucking tell me what. uh, No, it's a fu- it's an it's an interesting dynamic because yeah, some guys mm-hmm. are super earnest, and then when you because it, it can be hard being a dad, and then of course. um so so you got to support that, and then other times you want to be like uh, you know really dark or loose, and then other people yeah. go with that, yeah. and then um but yeah, you don't want to be the one who says something. Everyone's like, yeah, all right, mate. <laughs> no, I'm just joking around. <laughs> so is it support? Is it you know it's a bit on nose pencil? Me- yeah, no pencil. Uh, not necessarily me. Um, right, okay. Yeah, no, never me. No, that's never you. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, you can make your dad proud this year and get him and yourself the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. Yeah. You know what they say, like father, like son. Hook him up this Father's Day with our exclusive offer. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TGC at manscaped.com. Um, your, your dad hairy man? No, not really. No. Are you hairy? Not really. Not really. Yeah. No. Uh, my dad's hairy. I'm hairy. Yeah. Uh, everywhere else, yeah, top of my head. Um, Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming, and their brand new shaving tools just dropping right in time for Father's Day. The Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is now available in two countries that aren't really relevant to this show, USA and Canada. <laughs> <laughs> what makes this waterproof trimmer different from all the other trimmers? Ah, oh, some other shit. Who knows? Yeah. Um, anyway, look, Lawnmower 4.0 Trim your pubes. We've said it a thousand times before. Get it for your dad. It'll change his life. I was on a Zoom call with my mates the other day, and we did actually go through, like, you know, box by box, mm. as in each of us are in a box on the screen, and and what our shaving regime was. And I actually was sounding like I was doing a Manscaped dad. Shaving your balls? Yeah. How do you shave? And the guy, guys have got guys have got scissors still. Guys are using, Fuck me. Mate, guys Get have got, guys have got scissors. The bin. They're got, yeah, getting their testicles, and they're chopping... Holy they're, they're shit. chopping the hair off their testes no, they're not. in the shower. No, they're not. They're not often with that. big scissors like you reserve for arts and craft days. Huh? <laughs> Got him. <laughs> but you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. Arts and craft days. Days, yeah. Sometimes, hey. Sometimes Honey, where, the, nice. where are the scissors? A little craftanoon. Yeah, no, don't use those ones. Not those ones. Why are they in the shower? Not those ones. Are they the ones with like or, like orange handles? Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. And you've had them for so long, they've actually developed a little bit of mold on them. Oh. Don't use them. Jesus. Don't use God. them. That's that what I'm is, saying. That is, that's barbaric. That's barbaric Some behavior. people aren't aware of these products. They're not aware. They think of a clipper and they think that clipper is going to make me bleed. It's going to cut my skin and I will bleed out of my testicles. Manscaped doesn't do that. And it wouldn't be out of your testicles, it'd be skin around it. But anyway, if you get Manscaped, you don't have to worry about that anymore. 
Uh, stop imagining your dad has it covered because he probably doesn't. Make him proud this year and join the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TJC at manscaped.com. This is the perfect package for you and your dad's perfect package. Oh, cool. Let's talk about my dad's perfect package. Nice. Daddy. Hashtag asked TGC. This one comes in from not important. Re-stunted emotional growth. Boys! One of my best mates is the single worst cricketer I have ever come across. He's put single in capitals. One of my best mates is the single worst cricketer. Shouldn't it be worst in capitals? One of my best mates is the single worst cricketer. Mm. Or does he just really want to accentuate that he's single? I got a diamond duck. Uh, sorry, he got a diamond duck in his first game, and that set the tone for the rest of his career. In his two seasons, he had a top score of seven and an average at, at a tick under fuck all. His bowling was pure shit too. I honestly can't remember him taking a wicket. He also has the worst chat I have heard. He remains the only person I've seen in footy get punched by an opposition player and nobody on his team go to defend him because A, he probably deserved it and B, it was really, really funny. Fast forward a few years and he was turns to, he has turned to swimming with some minor, major success. He has broken world records and made his Olympic debut in Tokyo. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> I think there's only one male who did that for Australia. Is that Chalmers? No. Oh. Was it Stubblety Cook? I think it was Zach Stubblety Cook. Did Stubblety Cook break a world record? I think he did. I think he may have done. I just want to see if Stubblety Cook broke a world record. Because Chalmers has been to previous Olympics. So, yeah, so that's right. So this at is the twenty nineteen World Titles. No, oh, hang on for Australia's selection trials for June. He logged the fastest time of the year, a Commonwealth record mm-hmm. of two hundred six twenty eight. Okay, so there could be a bit of mayo in this in terms yeah. of world records. World so records. that is impressive. Some, for some people, the Commonwealth there is their, is their world in, uh, in a lot of senses. Yes. Um. Okay. Okay. So we've trimmed it down to who this is about. Mm-hmm. For some reason, trim it down. With Manscaped. <laughs> this is still a Manscaped, Dad. For some reason, despite how long I have known him and how much he means to me, I cannot say anything positive to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, feels, put, put that in a fucking frame. Yeah, that feels very, that feels very toxic, male. There is something about acknowledging his significance that feels wrong. His significance? Fucking hell. There's something about acknowledging his significance that feels wrong. Why are Anglo males, yes, every single male of Anglo-Saxon descent, so shit with emotion? Matthew Temple. <laughs> Can you explain that, please? Matthew Temple. Matthew Temple, 100-meter butterfly. World record, I think. No, long course. That's an Australian record. Fuck, I'm sorry. Sorry, Matthew, this isn't you. Go on. <laughs> He's in Darwin. Listen to this shit. Um, so shit with emotion. Am I so mean because I don't want to acknowledge how shit my life is? Since I spend every Saturday of my summer since I was a child cultivating the melanomas that will be uh, they'll be my eventual demise, and because his success is a is a direct insult with my batting average of twenty odd sixteen point five. Do I not acknowledge the relationship because I just want my dad to love me? I have only scored one ton in shit syntho cricket, so it doesn't really count. When I was closing in at drinks, I sent him a text to come and watch, and he just left me on red. Actually happened. Still coming to grips with it. (laughs) Fuck, that's brutal. Really, I just want to know why I cannot emote properly to other men. How much success does my mate have to have before I stop side-mouthing his achievements? 
Why is it when I see him after he quarantines, I'm going to say, went for a bit of a swim, did you? Head down, lads. Nothing silly here. Start again. Anon. P.S. The importance of your port cannot be understated in these times. For me and many of my friends, it is a source of great joy that pulls us all through these truly insane times. My sincerest thanks. Well, thank you for that very nice mm. sign-off. Not important. Mm. Um, Went for a bit of a swim, did you? Yeah, I was almost spent the whole time trying to look up who that was and just then started feeling great reading about old Aussie swimmers like Ashley Callis. Oh, yeah, nice. Uh, anyway. Um, well... Why can't it be nice to his friends? Yeah, well, uh, this, this is a very big question. We tried to tackle that essentially from the start of this entire operation. 165 you know, like, episodes in, haven't quite got there yet. Um, you know, there's, there's, this is to do with traditional and stereotypical norms of masculinity and manhood. Yes. Uh, so according to sociologist Michael Flood, um, some of those traditional stereotypes are expectations that boys and men must be active, aggressive, tough, daring, and dominant. Uh, but there was a counter movement called the Mytho uh, Poetic Men's Movement. Uh, and they've ref- in the eighties, of course. That was in the eighties. That was in the eighties. Yeah, I thought, was, I thought it was the late seventies. Uh, that was in the eighties. It was in the eighties. They've referred to the social pressures placed upon men to be violent, competitive, independent, and unfeeling as a toxic form of masculinity, in contrast to a real or deep masculinity that they say men have lost touch with in modern society. Uh, in fact, in fact, uh, because I'm talking normally here, the yeah. academic uh, Shepherd Bliss, the guy's named Shepherd Bliss. <laughs> proposed a return to agrarianism as an alternative to the potentially to- toxic masculinity of the warrior ethic. So it's all to do with the warrior ethic. Yes. Um, of, of course, Kimmel, the sociologist, uh, writes mm. that Bliss's notion of toxic masculinity can be seen as part of the mythopoetic movement's response to male feelings of powerlessness at a time when the feminist movement was challenging traditional male authority. Right? This is all to do with why this cunt can't acknowledge his mate being good at swimming. <laughs> So this toxic masculinity that, that Bliss is talking about, right? he thinks it's responsible for most of the evil in the world. Most of the evil in the world. Okay. Like like this other bloke. Yeah, um, okay. and, he, and he thinks of the unheralded goodness of the men who fight the fires and till the soil and nurture their families is what, yeah, what needs to be proclaimed. So um, what is agrarianism, I hear you ask? It's just been country-minded. It's been a man of the country. Um, the term's actually uncertain in, in its origin, but it's traceable to the beginnings of the country party in the 1920s in Australia. Wait, are you talking about when your connection to your country? Is in, you're not no, talking the about country. Like, yeah, so when you say the country, do you mean like head and outback or do you mean like your connection with your spiritual being, where you are born, the the connection with the land yeah. itself? It's it's being at one with country yes. and the humility that comes there from. It's not even a word. So not having like country values, like if you're in Tamworth or some shit. I think it's connected, though. There's a certain, like, there is a certain humility to that. There's a certain, um, mm. there's a certain oneness with, with your land that creates those kind of uh, attitudes. Like Steve Biddle said, you know, if you can work out a relationship or a connection to the garden, watch the garden grow, you're nearly all the way there as a man. You know, just being at one with nature. That's how you, that's how you tell your swimming mate that he's a good swimmer. What, start a fucking tomato garden? Yeah, plant a fucking seed, mate. <laughs> Don't you? Yeah, that's all well and good, but how big is his penis? No. Um, <laughs> that's right. Does he have a micro penis? He's in trouble. Say what you like. How's the rig on it? Is he an endomorph? <laughs> <laughs> Not much trouble if you're an endomorph, mate. Yeah. You've got to do much more cardio. <laughs> 
16 8 fasting, intermittent fasting. <laughs> Get your skinnies down. <laughs> That'll sort you out. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking emotional bullshit. Get on the bench. The fucking Bunnings won't help you, mate. Yeah. Give you the tip. Just get on the bench. What are we talking? What are we talking? Hypertrophy or just sort of strength stuff? Five by five strong lifts? Fucking hell. Do you reckon um, if you ever said something nice to your mate? <laughs> now, like, surely, like, not important name of this uh, questioner. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Just he's got such an easy window to be proud of his friend. He's just young. He like obviously if, he's, if his mate's an Olympic swimmer, he can't be older than say twenty three, because that's about the age you expire as an athlete for swimming. Um, so it's so easy to be like, mate, I'm really proud of you. That's the fucking easiest message to send, Is and it? I'm sure he'd really appreciate it. Not when you're young. If you made it to the Olympics, well, I'll be riding your coattails. To be fair, so I'll be right there with you, brother. Mm. For your own utility. Yes. Yes, I'd be... It's for my own utility. Yes. Anyone who talks like that is never going to the Olympics. No, that's right. Or for your own utility. (laughs) It's hard. Well, I mean, maybe the practical answer for not important is that he doesn't praise his friend because if he praises his friend who's a world record holder, his friend will take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah, well, you've put yourself in a very vulnerable yeah, position here. Extreme, with me. It's extremely yeah. weak. Also, what's your sexuality now? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's yeah. what some men yeah. might say. Oh, okay. Well, that makes oh, you want okay. to have a sex with oh, me. Oh, you yeah, don't yeah. like okay. women. Mm, interesting. Mm, okay, that's not a very powerful position to be taking with right. me, an quite, athlete. Quite mad when you think about it. It is quite but that is how, That's how it. Uh, that can be how. That's be, how it uh, works. Oh, yeah. you, you know, it can be hard, but if. Um, now the, no, but what I'm saying is like if you've got a mate who's a professional athlete who's just gone to fucking Tokyo, that's an easier position to say like, mate, congratulations, I'm really proud of you. I've seen the effort you've put in for years. Good for you, man. Just put over te- right down in the text, like you don't have to say it to his face. Yeah, yeah like, but like that's hide easier. behind the tree. That's easier than your mate who's just finished like second year of TAFE, you know, to to get his accounting, whatever the fuck. There's a guy who knows what he's talking about. <laughs> That's the, when, like, when you have to celebrate, like, big, like that, for that person who's just done tape, that's a big win for them, right? But maybe, like, in, the, in a smaller context globally, whereas someone who's, like, gone to the Olympics is now, like, fucking represented the country, a, a, a bigger thing in the eyes of many. That, that's easier, is what I'm saying. It's all, about, it's all about culture, though, isn't it? Like, in their friendship group, perhaps it's just not established that you praise people. It's just not. It's not done. So that he. That's probably why it doesn't matter whether he goes to the Olympics or gets his fucking TAFE accounting thing. Yeah. You're talking about the point is in their group they just don't do it. And if somebody did it, they'd be treated with suspicion. But maybe it's time for a little bit of leadership. Not important. Maybe you could just say to your mate, mate, well mm. done. Fuck. Okay. Call me what you need to call me. I'm. I'm proud of you. You yeah. know what and you can you do is. You, yeah, of course. Yeah, I. I would tail it off with the end of that message being like. Hey, do you remember the time you fucked up in cricket the last eight times? Do you remember the golden duck? Just, yeah. just settle them oh, down a little yeah, bit. Just temper their yeah. expectations about build the them up, knock them down, build fleet street stuff. Yeah, yeah. So Give them a compliment, but yeah. don't let them take too much. No, that's right. Like qualify it yeah. with something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to protect yourself. Yeah. Just to protect yourself. Oh, world record! It's a bit of a slow field this year, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Heights of uh, heights of social thought there. <laughs> We can go again. Here, we can we? go one more, yeah. man. Fred writes in, boys, I just, uh, I wanted to share with you a beta moment. 
a moment where a beta tried to alpha <sighs> and for one sweet second felt its strong arm flat rigged glory <laughs> until context was returned. Oh, this is from England. <laughs> <laughs> I play my cricket at a very, very low level in North Yorkshire, UK. I captain the team more out of energy than ability, but I'm happy to embrace the chaos of amateur cricket and the few moments of joy it provides. On this particular occasion, I was feeling pretty proud of myself. My team were honoured to welcome three new players to the team who had joined us midweek when I realised we needed new recruits as we were about to field a team of seven. They were the sons and nephews of one of the bigger boys in the firsts. Their combined age was 45. These three 15-year-olds play school cricket and were nervous but excited to join the, t- the second team of their dad's cricket club. I promised them a bat and a bowl. They looked terrified but chuffed nonetheless. We fielded first against top of the league. We got battered. In a 40-over game, they batted first and we were taken to the cleaners for 290 for five. To be fair to the little ones, they had held their own, took a catch, a couple of wickets and only a dozen extras. There was, however, a moment where I had to intervene with the opposition umpire and this is where the story gets a little... Daryl Hare Juicy. (laughs) At our level, we umpire our own games, a recipe for shenanigans. During the first over of 15-year-old number one, old man umpire called no ball. Assumptions were made. As skipper, I said to the young lad, no bother, mate, wash your feet, you'll be fine. He bowled again, no ball. What? I asked. He didn't come close to overstepping. It was his back foot, replied old man Uh, umpire. It landed to the side of the crease. Oh, okay. It's okay, Umps. He's 15. It's his first game. Let it go for now. Unless it's ridiculous. He's nervous and we're getting battered here. He won't learn that way, replied the bastard. Fast forward 10 minutes and the poor 15-year-old has been no-balled five times and is now trying to remodel his action on the middle of the game. I wasn't happy. It was pleasant. I was pleasant, but peeved. You know you've ruined this game for him, mate. How are we supposed to bring kids into the game when adults like you act like this? He smiled and said nothing. Fast forward again, and this time it's their innings. I'm umpiring, he's bowling. Not a foot out of place. Not a ball anywhere but on the button. I couldn't do anything without causing a ruck and turning into everything I hated. Until he sends one down. It's a tight wide. Wide ball! I yell with way too much enthusiasm. (laughs) He turns around and looks at me. Before he can say anything, I say, If you were 15, mate, I would have given you the benefit of the doubt. It was glorious. I loved it. He looked sheepish. I offered him. <laughs> now back to why this is ultimately a beta story. We got destroyed and he took a threefer, including my wicket. There's no moral to this story. I just wanted to hear your opinions on should you know ball a uh, deputing, debuting 15-year-old in village cricket for repeatedly bowling a side foot no ball. Loving the work, boys. Fred at Blubberhouses, CC. <laughs> um. I just want to say how much I love the word battered. Like, right. it's so UK. Yeah. It's so, yeah. like, football orientated, yeah. I reckon, as well. Just, like, we battered them. Yeah. Like, you, and also you can batter someone 1-0. Yes. Um, yeah. I just love the idea as well. It just battered. Like, you're, you're a bit of fish. Yes. And you've caught the fish and you've laid on some batter. You've battered them. Or you've, or you've buttered some bread. You've laid on some butter. <laughs> We Isn't them. battered more like battery, as in you've you've struck oh, like somebody and hurt them? Yeah, we battered them. I, I think that's where it comes from. I don't think you're laying batter on fish. <laughs> that's right. Though that's also good, I <laughs> guess. We really laid some batter on that fish today. Mm. One nil. <laughs> um, <laughs> second of all, I'm really, really not sure if Fred has Alfred, the guy who got him out. 
Um, oh, he says that though. Yeah, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know I he think he's, trying to, that. he's trying to sneak But he just he just said that he's just called out wide ball because he bowled a wide. Then he said like, well, if you're 15, you know, I'm not sure it's an offering in the true sense of the word. Um, yeah, it's a it's a dad alpha though. Mm, it's a bit of a dad alpha. Like he's okay. He may have been beaten in cricket, but depends how he said it. But he he delivered to the man a life lesson. Now we're accepting that the man was sheepish about it. The man ended up knocking him over. Yeah. And if he is listening to it, please reply with your own version of this story. Yes, yes, Because yes. I believe he could be like, oh, I said his fucking stumps cartwheeling, yeah. gave it to him, who really is the alpha. Yeah, slept with his wife. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, nothing more. Okay, okay, the reason why this is grim, the reason why this is grim is because, like Fred says at the top, we play in a very, very low standard village Yorkshire cricket. If this is like, if this is um like championship cricket or like league cricket, um and it's like ones or whatever, then I can like I can understand a little bit more. Like okay, if he's gonna play, if he's gonna play with the big boys, mm. then yeah, okay, he's got to be taught. There are ways and ways, but like when it's like literally guys turning up to like complete a fixture, yeah, um, not gonna learn that way. How fucking grim that is! That like this absolute jobs worth who's umpiring his own game for a start. Yuck, village shit. That he's going to be like, no, nah, I'm going to teach this little boy a lesson because I need this. That in itself means that that guy can never be the alpha. If you're doing that with to children, 15-year-old children, you can never be the alpha. Yeah. Big time. I mean, the earnest answer is like, I'd be very much on the side of helping the kids enjoy it and getting through the game. And if a child is crying, like even if they're 15, mm. we'd be like, can you just put your fucking feet inside the crease, mate? I mean, sh- seriously, how hard is it? But no, seriously, he just... It meant we would have scored some runs that day. It would have been good. Good day out. Can you just imagine a Yorkshireman, like, just saying... <laughs> yeah. What's a Yorkshire? Ruin your silly booger. Not going to learn that way. It's not bad. It's not good, but it's not, not bad. bad. I'll tell you what it's not. I'll tell you what it's not. Yeah. It's all, it's all pretty grim, mate. It's all pretty grim. I think, look, after the 15-year-old kid, yeah, he got a bit of dad alpha in, and then he got rock and rolled. He's right. There's no moral to the story. It's actually all over the place. Everyone's offering everyone at different times. <laughs> uh, just, you never it's know. Just cricket. Yeah, but he also knows that deep down he's a beater. Fair enough. We need more beater dads. <laughs> okay. Uh, hashtag RCDC Fridays, episode 54, be coming out this Friday. Of course, you can get the entire back catalogue of Patreon, uh, all 54 episodes, plus all the dailies of every daily we've ever done, plus this test series. We'll continue on for the next three test matches. The boys are heading to Headingley, Headingley for the third test. Was the fourth test? I can't remember. And then the oval for the fifth test uh, for this summer. Before, of course, the World Cup. Then the Ashes. Plenty going on. Patreon.com forward slash Craig Cricket. We'll be back next week, uh, which we're already lined up one guest. We're looking forward to that conversation. That'll be next week right here on the Great Cricketer Podcast. We will see you next week.